I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter two of Eclipse titled Evasion. She's evading a plot. That's what she's evading. Where we left off, absolutely nothing happened. It was just one giant previously on episode and she's grounded. Bella's grounded because she ditched, you know, her dad's best friend's funeral to go to Italy. But she thinks, you know, she shouldn't be grounded. Anyway, she's no longer grounded. And Charlie's like, as long as you go and see Jake. And Edward's like, that's absolutely not going to happen. And she's like, oh, thank God, my dad's not being so controlling. And then her boyfriend is more controlling. So she can't win. But literally nothing else happened. She's setting up that there's some gang violence in Seattle and then plot twist, it's not a gang, it's a vampire gang. So she's dropping those crumbs. But other than that, we didn't get a lot. So we start this chapter and she's saying she's feeling oddly buoyant as she's walking from Spanish towards the cafeteria because she's walking with the most perfect person on the planet uh, and that she's no longer grounded. And she says, oh, well, actually, maybe it's because there's an atmosphere of freedom hanging over the entire campus because the school year's winding down and they'll be graduating. And it just reminded me how much I hated throughout Twilight and New Moon, how she would just tell us, I went from Spanish, then I went to Trig, then I went to English. And it's like, I don't care. I don't need to know your class timetable. So let's hope she eases off on that. And she also tells us that the big dance was coming this weekend, but Edward had promised that he wouldn't subject her to that again. And she says, after all, I'd already had that human experience. Remember, because she hates prom, she hates dances. She's not interested. She's a cool girl. She doesn't like going to social events. And she's more than willing to make a huge fucking deal about how she doesn't want to go to a dance. So she's sitting in the cafeteria with Edward and Angela and Angela's boyfriend, Ben. Oh, and Alice is there too. And so Angela says, have you sent your announcements yet? And Bella narrates, she had her light brown hair pulled back into a sloppy ponytail instead of her usual smooth hairdo. And there was a slightly frantic look about her eyes. So here we see Bella again being the most judgmental person. She's just a horrible friend. She thinks Angela's got a sloppy ponytail and that she looks like shit. But then she also tells us that Alice is staring at her, probably scrutinizing her boring jeans and a t-shirt outfit and plotting another makeover. And she sighs because she says, my indifferent attitude to fashion was a constant thorn in Alice's side. So even though she doesn't care what she wears, she cares about Angela's sloppy pony. Anyway, so they're talking about this sending out announcements thing, which 
I don't think is a thing in Australia. It must be a thing in America because this is all new to me. They have to like send out invitations to come to the graduation, I'm guessing. Are there not limits on how many people you can invite to your graduation? And it's like you're announcing that you're graduating. I think people know. And Angela says, my mother has a thousand cousins and she expects me to hand address one to everybody. What? Just send out a Facebook event invite or something. What? 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 I I can assure you, Angela, your cousins don't really care about going to your graduation. But anyway, Bella volunteers to help her out with handwriting the invitations just to, you know, cheer Charlie up because she'll be proving that, hey, look, I have friends. I'm hanging out with friends. And she tells Angela that she's no longer grounded. And she's like, oh, that's great. We'll have to hang out and, and have a party or something. We'll just have to do something fun. And Alice is like, love that idea. All of a sudden, Alice is just like a social butterfly. She's just engaging in conversations with Angela and Ben. And Alice says, love that idea. Let's do it. What should we do? And Bella says, whatever you're thinking, Alice, I doubt I'm that free. And Alice says, free is free, right? And Bella says, I'm sure I still have boundaries, like the continental US, for example. And she says, Angela and Ben laugh. They laugh and laugh because that's so hilarious. She's still got boundaries like the continental US. It didn't stop your last book when you went to fucking Italy, did it? I'm sure you had boundaries then, sis. But after that hilarious joke, Alice says, so what are we doing tonight? And Bella says, look, nothing. Let's just give it a couple of days to make sure that Charlie wasn't joking. What? Charlie's not the jokester. You're the jokester, apparently. I don't think Charlie's ever cracked a joke. Why would he joke about not grounding you? That, uh, that's, that's not funny, Bella. Bella has the worst sense of humor I've ever experienced. So then Angela, Alice and Ben start talking about what they can do. And she says, my attention drifted. <laughs> and she says, while they discuss things to do in Port Angeles or maybe Hokoim, wherever, wherever the fuck that is, I began to feel disgruntled. So now she's upset that she's no longer grounded. Like you can't win with Bella fucking swan. And she tells us that she's disgruntled because she can't go and see Jake. Well, you know what, Bella? You can actually. You can just ignore all of the rules set down by your controlling, possessive, obsessive freak show boyfriend and go and live your life and see your best friend. She narrates, sure, I was free to go anywhere I wanted, except La Push. Free to do anything I wanted, except to see Jacob. I frowned at the table. There had to be some kind of middle ground. Yeah, go talk to your boyfriend about it. Or just don't talk to him about it and go and live your life. And like Edward's logic that that werewolves are so dangerous, surely she can just disregard that because she did hang out with them for months on end and they didn't kill her. And yet vampires are supremely dangerous as well and she's hanging out with them. It doesn't make sense. So then apparently Alice spaces out and Angela's like, uh, Alice, Alice, like, hello, are you still listening? because it seems like Alice is having some sort of vision. And so Edward tries to deflect. He's like, oh, is it nap time already, Alice? Ha 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 ha, ha 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 ha. And she jumps suddenly as if someone had kicked her under the table. So Edward just kicked Alice. And Alice is like, whoopsie daisy, I was daydreaming, ha ha ha. And Ben, also a jokester, he says, daydreaming's better than facing two more hours of school. (laughs) And Alice is like, oh my God, totally. And then they just continue the conversation. But meanwhile, Bella's freaking out. She's like, oh my God, what did Alice see? And she can tell that Edward and Alice are sort of communicating because Edward can read minds. So Edward has also seen the vision that Alice has seen. 
that's what we're led to believe. And then she says, Edward was quiet, playing absentmindedly with a strand of my hair. Why is he playing with your hair? Play with your own hair if you want to look absent-minded. That's just creepy. Stop touching her hair, Edward. You're gonna get it greasy. So then she tells us, I waited anxiously for a chance to ask Edward what Alice had seen in her vision, but the afternoon passed without one minute of alone time. Okay, I doubt that you couldn't have just whispered something under your breath while you're walking down the hallway because he does have supersonic hearing. So you could have just said, what the fuck's going on? And he would have been like, I'll tell you later or nothing. You know, like just a, just a little whisper in the hallways. I, I don't think that would have been indiscreet. But no, they didn't have a minute of alone time. <sighs> then just hang back and go to the bathroom or something. Oh, God. But she says, oh, it feels odd, almost deliberate even. And she's like noticing that after lunch, Edward slowed his pace to match Ben's. And then when the final bell rang, Edward struck up a conversation with Mike Newton. Of all people, she says, of all people. Poor fucking Mike Newton can't catch a break. Edward can't even ask him how his day's going without Bella just assuming that it's all an elaborate ruse to not talk to her because who would want to talk to Mike Newton of all people unless there was an ulterior motive? Apparently Mike's having some car troubles and Edward makes a very vague offer of assistance to have a look at the car. But it's one of those like empty offers where he's like, yeah, I'll take a look at it. (laughs) Edward, you don't really mean it. So then she gets into Edward's Volvo and Alice is already inside. And she says, Alice just starts babbling at top speed about how Edward's actually not that good of a mechanic and maybe Rosalie should have a look at Mike's car. But then of course, Rosalie's meant to be in college and not actually within Forks. If you're just gonna hide out at home anyway, like why did you make the the, the Cullen kids go to school? Surely they don't look that young. Uh, Never mind. Anyway, she just starts babbling. And (laughs) Bella says, I stopped listening after a minute, letting her quick voice become just a hum in the background as I settled into my patient mode. It looked to me like Edward was trying to avoid my questions. Fine. He would have to be alone with me soon enough. It was only a matter of time. Uh, just ask Alice. You're just in a car with Alice who had the vision and Edward who read Alice's mind about the vision. Just ask Alice. Go to the source. Or just bring it up in the car instead of just sitting there not listening to the conversation. Engage. Why does she have to contrive alone time with Edward? Just fucking bring it up. You're not near any humans. So then they drop Alice off at the Cullen's house and she can sense that Alice is giving Edward a look. And I think she's trying to make out like Alice is non-verbally giving a warning to Edward not to say anything, but like, just think it then Alice. You don't have to stare at him, give him the evil eye. Just think it, he'll hear it. And she can also see him ever so slightly nod. Now, no, okay, I'm sorry. He's, he's moved like lightning before. Remember last chapter, he snatched up her college application forms with the blink of an eye and she didn't even see it happen. But now he's trying to non-verbally communicate with Alice and he does this little small nod that she can still see. Uh, he could have just n- nodded in a microsecond and she would have seen it because she's a vampire. But no, apparently Bella's got this eagle vision. Or she's reading into shit. They could just be, (laughs) he could have just been like, all right, bye Alice. And she could be reading something into it. But you know, she is kind of astute when it comes to this kind of crap. So then they're alone in the car and she's like waiting. She's like, is he going to bring it up? (laughs) It's clearly not. Just ask him. Just ask your boyfriend a question. You shouldn't be so afraid of him. 
And she's thinking, what did Alice see? She saw something he doesn't want me to know. Why is he keeping secrets? And so they just rode in silence back to her house. So they go into her house together and she goes up to her room and she says, there's an unanswered email from my mum to attend to. And she got panicky when I took too long. And so she boots up the computer and then Edward's like, all right, well, let's make out while we wait for the computer to boot up. And so they make out for about three seconds because that's all he can stand without wanting to kill her. Uh, So they make out for three seconds and she's like, oh, I wish it could have lasted longer. And it's like, well, you know, if it lasted longer, you'd probably be dead. She says, the tip of my tongue traced the curve of his lower lip. It was flawlessly smooth as if it had been polished. I don't know. Do you really want to kiss a lip that's that smooth? You sort of want to kiss something that feels human, right? Like if you want to kiss a smooth lip, get a flashlight. One of those little rubber sex toys or something. But she's always like, oh, he's so smooth. He's like stone. And it's like, so he's not human. Why are you so happy kissing something that's not human? You may as well kiss a block of marble. You may as well kiss a blow up doll. So Edward pulls himself away and he's like, oof, maybe I should go and sit on the bed. So it must've been a really good kiss. If he's having to create some space between them so that he doesn't murder her and drink all of her blood. And she's like, oh boy, all right, back to my email. And so she says she scanned through Renee's email, shaking my head now and then at some of the dippier things she'd done. I was just as entertained and horrified as the first time I'd read this. She's such a fucking bitch about her mum. Like her mum's the worst parent in the world. I think we all agree on Renee being shit. But the way she talks about Renee as well, it's like, cut your mum a break. She's allowed to have personality traits just because you don't have any. It doesn't mean that just because someone lives life to the fullest that they're dippy. She says, it was so like my mother to forget exactly how paralyzed she was by heights until she was already strapped to a parachute and a dive instructor. And she's acting like that's a bad thing that she's confronting her fears. <laughs> like this woman's afraid of heights. So she's like, I'm going to skydive. Usually you'd applaud someone for doing that. But she's like, oh God, what a dippy idiot. Oh, I'm horrified. Then she says, I felt a little frustrated with Phil, her husband of almost two years for allowing that one. I would have taken better care of her. I know her so much better. So you're mad that Phil didn't stop your mother from doing something that she wanted to do. Like, that's not a healthy relationship dynamic. I know you're just mirroring what Edward does to you, but that's not healthy. Phil can let Renee do whatever the hell she wants because Renee's her own person. And if she wants to skydive, even though she's afraid of heights, she should be able to do so without you being judgmental all the way from fucking Forks. And then she thinks, well, you have to let them go on their own way eventually. You have to let them have their own life. You are not the parent here. She says, I'd spent most of my life taking care of Renee, patiently guiding her away from her craziest plans. And it's like, I doubt it, Bella. She acts like she's been doing this for 16 years, but surely she wasn't doing that when she was like four years old. Surely not. She says, I'd always been indulgent with my mum, amused by her, even a little condescending to her. What do you mean a little condescending? She says, I saw her cornucopia of mistakes and laughed privately to myself. Scatterbrained Renee. That's fucked. I would never talk about my mother like that. I wouldn't laugh privately at her mistakes. I think Bella's a sociopath. I was already questioning her based on her strong desire to be killed and become an evil entity. But to take such glee at your mother's mistakes or what you assume are her mistakes, just when her mother's just trying to live a life, like that's, oh, that's pretty sociopathic. 
And she says, I was a very different person from my mother. Someone thoughtful. She thinks her mum's not even thoughtful. And it's like, you know what? There are parents out there that abuse their kids. But I don't think she's done anything like that to you, Bells. She married a minor league baseball player and moved to Florida. That's the worst thing she's ever done to you. Oh, and she started a few side hustles. She had a hobby of making jewelry and then she dropped that hobby of making jewelry. Like, that's not that bad. Christian Gray's mother, now she seems like a piece of work. And if you're interested in hearing more about that, go to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books and you'll hear all about that crack horse situation. But that's neither here nor there. And then she tells us, this is just turning into like a three-page roast of Renee. She says, I couldn't help but think of my mother's most life-altering mistake. Silly and romantic, getting married fresh out of high school to a man she barely knew, then producing me a year later. Like, oh, what a horrible mistake. You know you wouldn't exist if that didn't happen. Also, she's talking about Renee being like, oh, so silly and romantic getting married fresh out of high school. You are about to do the exact same thing. Like, but you're going a step further and going to die for this man and be turned into a vampire for an eternity of damnation. Like, I think that's a little bit worse than what Renee did. Renee could get an annulment. You can't go back to life. Oh, so then she's writing back the email. She also wants to address one line where her mum said, you haven't mentioned Jacob lately. Uh, What's he up to? And she's like, Jacob's fine, I guess. I don't see him much. He spends most of his time with a pack of his friends down at La Push these days. And so she smiles wryly to herself. She's like, that was a good one, Bells. Calling them a pack. Hilarious. So the roast of Renee is over. She turns her attention back to Edward and he's looking at something. It's a flat black box with wires curling crookedly away from the main square in a way that did not look healthy. And then she's like, oh, that's the car stereo that I got given for my last birthday. Remember she tore it out of the vehicle because it was her last remaining memory of Edward, even though Edward had apparently scrubbed his whole existence from her, but but then secretly left the, the, the things in her closet or at the bottom of the floorboards or some bullshit like that. Anyway, he's found the stereo because it was at the bottom of her cupboard. And apparently while she was writing that email, he was just doing some snooping. He was just doing some snooping. And he's like, oh, wow, what, what, this is the stereo we got you for your birthday. And he's like, it looks like you killed it. And he says it would hurt their feelings if they saw it like this. Like he's just gaslighting her being like, how could you tear out this stereo? Uh, Maybe she did it because you dumped her and traumatized her and abandoned her and tried to make it like you'd never existed and she didn't want any last memory of you. Maybe maybe that's why. Maybe lay off. Also, have you not been in her truck for the past four weeks since you've been back together? This has not come up yet. Surely you've been in her truck. And he says, well, I'll have to go and get another one and, and put it back in your truck before anyone notices because, oh, their feelings will be so hurt. They're vampires. I think they'll be fine. Even if they question it, she can just be like, hey, yeah, I kind of felt like shit after you all left town and abandoned me. How about that? And also, when is Bella just picking up Esme and taking her for a drive or taking Emmett and Rosalie for a drive? They're not going to notice. They're not going in her truck. And then Edward says, you didn't get much good out of your birthday presents last year. And he says it in a disgruntled voice. And he's fanning himself with the plane tickets that Esme and Carlisle got her. And he's like, don't you realize these are about to expire? And again, he's gaslighting her and it's like, yeah, maybe because after they were given to her, she got attacked by Jasper 
You threw her into a pile of plates, cutting up her arm. And then you dumped her in a forest and disappeared for months, even though you were meant to go on the trip to Florida with her. So maybe it's partly your fault, Edward. And Bella's like, well, I had actually forgotten all about those plane tickets, actually. And Edward's like, well, why don't we go this weekend? How fun. And she's like, wait, what? We're going to Florida. And he says, well, you did say something about the continental US being allowable. (laughs) And she's like, where's this coming from? And he says, well, I mean, let's just, let's just go see Renee. Let's do it before the vouchers expire. And she's like, Charlie won't allow it. And he's like, Charlie can't stop you from visiting your mother. And she's thinking, oh God, it'd be a fight with Charlie, but I do want to see Renee. It's been so long since I saw her. Last time I saw her in Phoenix, that's when James almost tried to kill her and she was in hospital and Renee was like, gotta go. (laughs) She was staring at the clock. Like Renee sucks, but she doesn't deserve that three page roast that we just had to bear witness to. And then Ray apparently visited Bella when she was comatose, which again, wasn't a very happy catch up. And so Edward just keeps pushing her. He's like, let's go this weekend. And she's like, maybe another time. I don't want to fight. And he's like, this weekend's perfect. And she's like, no, I'm not that interested. Maybe another time. And then he says, you aren't the only one who's been trapped in this house, you know. And then he frowned at her. And it's like, okay, well then go to Brazil then, cunt. Go back to Rio and hang out there. You don't have to be here. Just because she's under house arrest, you don't sleep. You can go out at night and go hunting. Don't act like you're all cooped up. And so finally Bella's like, okay, now I'm suspicious. Why doesn't he want me here this weekend? Like that's what she's thinking. And so she says, all right, well, what did Alice see today at lunch? And she did say, I'd almost forgotten my worries about this afternoon. Had that been his intention to like change the subject? And like, no, she probably saw something happening this weekend, which is why he wants to get you out of town. But yeah, whatever. She's suspicious, but all for the wrong reasons. Doesn't matter. So she brings it up. Finally, she says, oh, we hadn't had a moment alone. You were alone in the car, then all throughout the email. Like, why didn't you bring it up? Never mind." And so she starts studying his face as he's about to say something. She says his expression was composed. There was only the slightest hardening of his topaz eyes. Now, no, how can she, how can she see that? I don't even think my optometrist could see that with all of those little binocular thingies when he's doing the eye tests. Hardening of a topaz eye. No, no, eyes don't get hardened. Well, well. And he says, she's been seeing Jasper in a strange place somewhere in the Southwest. She thinks near his former family, but he has no conscious intentions to go back. It's got her worried. And she says, oh, and she says that was nothing close to what I'd been expecting. So of course she thought it would be all about her, obviously, because she's the self-centered main character of this novel. But it is confusing because Alice can only see visions when someone's made a decision, right? And so if he's got no conscious intention to go back, how, how is she seeing this? If there's no decision, how is she seeing this future at all? It's been 10 years since I've read this, so I can't really remember what the truth is. Edward could be telling us a porky, but, or it could be a plot hole. So, you know, it's really either or, isn't it? (laughs) You never know with these books. Is it a plot hole or is it a character being inconsistent on purpose? You never know. And she says, why didn't you tell me? And he says, I didn't realize you'd noticed. Okay. He's telling porkies. That's such a lie because he was actively trying to avoid her. There's no way he talked to Mike Newton on purpose just for his own enjoyment. Nah. Mike Newton of all people. No way. 
and he's gaslighting her and it's working because then she says, my imagination was sadly out of control. I'd taken a perfectly normal afternoon and twisted it until it looked like Edward was going out of his way to keep things from me. I needed therapy. I tell you what, if you asked, if someone said to me, show me an example of really effective gaslighting, I'd be like, well, here it is. Because he's got her hoodwinked. Hook, line and sinker. And yes, you do need therapy, Bella, but probably more about your relationship with your mother and your father and this whole parental thing that you've got going on. And maybe for advice to get out of a controlling relationship. Like, yeah, therapy would be great. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right. So they do homework. Then she goes to make up dinner for Charlie, his favorite, you know, his mum's stroganoff recipe. And Edward is helping her make the food, but he's like a bit repulsed by the raw ingredients. He's like, ugh, human food, so disgusting. And it's like, you drink? blood, dude. Don't be turning up your nose at some beef and pasta and some mushroom sauce. Like you drink blood. And also you ate food for the first 16 years of your life. Like, you know, it's not that repulsive, right? So then they have dinner. She says, Charlie's in a good mood. He has three helpings of the stroganoff. That, that's, a, that's a lot of helpings, Charlie. I'm all for a big, strong man eating a hearty amount of food, but that's a lot. And then he's got his feet up and he's folding his hands contentedly across his distended stomach. Maybe you might need to start cutting back, Charlie. And she says, well, how was work, dad? And he's like, pretty slow. And so apparently he just played cards all afternoon with Mark down at the sheriff's office. 
He says, I won 19 hands to seven. So they played 26 hands of a card game? And then he was on the phone with Billy for a while. I don't know if I'd be feeling that safe if I lived in Forks, Washington and knew my sheriff was just playing 26 rounds of cards and then talking on the phone with his bestie for an hour. I'm sure there was something he could have done. Also, does he not have paperwork? We just had like people who were camping be murdered. Bodies were turning up everywhere. And as far as they know, they haven't found a killer or the bear. They still haven't found the fucking bear. So what's he doing playing cards down at the sheriff's office? The bear attacks stop for one week and then it's just business as usual. He tells us that Billy invited them over to La Push this weekend because they're having the clear waters and the Oolies over for some sort of football party or some bullshit. Like she knows that she's not going to ever be allowed to go. So she's just like, oh yeah, that sounds great. Just non-committal about it. Because also she might be going to Florida, who knows? So she gets up to start doing the dishes and oh God, this is that thing where she's just parenting her parents because make him wash up. You just cook dinner. He ate three fucking helpings. Make that lazy piece of shit wash a dish. And cause it's not like he had a hard day at work. He was playing cards and on the phone with his bestie. But then Edward says, oh, Charlie, because Edward's still there, by the way, he's not eating. He's just lingering around like a bad smell. And he says, Charlie, did Bella ever tell you that my parents gave her airplane tickets on her last birthday so that she could visit Renee? And so Bella dramatically drops the plate she was scrubbing <laughs> and it bounces right off the counter and onto the floor, but it, it doesn't smash, but soap splatters everywhere. God, she's clumsy. Oh, she's so hilariously clumsy. And Charlie's like, ah, uh, she never mentioned it. Why are you bringing it up? And Edward's like, well, they're about to expire. So I think it might hurt Esme's feelings if Bella doesn't use her gift. Not that she'd say anything. Oh, fucking hell. Stop using Esme's feelings as a ploy. And Charlie's like, well, it's probably a good idea to see your mum. But then he says, but hang on. You said they're about to expire. What do you mean by they are? How many tickets does she have? And Edward's like, well, one for her and one for me. And then she drops the plate again. Oh God, it's just so comical. I feel like I'm reading a story about the Three Stooges. This is just hilarious. And so she starts panicking. The blood's rushing to her face. She's like, why is Edward doing this? He clearly wants to get you out of town for the weekend. Like I'm just, I'm just spitballing here, Bells. And Charlie's like, you know what? That's out of the question. And he's shouting his words. And Edward starts trying to flip it back on him. And he says, well, you just said it was a good idea for her to see her mother. And it's like, okay, pipe down Chachki. Like, no, no, don't be back chatting to Charlie. He's had a tough day playing cards and not cooking and not doing the dishes. And Charlie says, you're not going anywhere with him, young lady. (laughs) And he's jabbing a finger at Bella. And she gets triggered by that. And she says, I'm not a child, dad, and I'm not grounded anymore, remember? And he's like, oh, yes, you are, starting now. And she says, for what? Do I need to remind you that I'm a legal adult? And he's doing the whole my house, my rules bullshit. And she calls him on his bluff and she's like, fine. Do you want me to move out tonight? Or can I have a few days to pack? Which is a bit of a low blow because she's done the whole abandonment thing on him twice now. Remember at the end of book one when she said, I don't want to end up like my mum. I'm leaving this shithole town. I hate your guts. Well, that's effectively what she said to him. And then she left. And now she's just like threatening it all over again. And Charlie's face went bright red because obviously he's hurt by that. 
And I care about his feelings, not Esme's fake feelings. And so she says, I'll do my time without complaining when I've done something wrong, dad, but I'm not going to put up with your prejudices. Okay. Do time without complaining. Uh, since when have you ever done anything without complaining? She was grounded for a very good reason. And she complained the whole time. And then she says, he sputtered, but managed nothing coherent. And so she continues on. She says, you know that I have every right to see mum. You can't honestly tell me you'd object to the plan if I was going with Alice or Angela. And he's like, yeah, girls, like that's, that's clearly the issue here. And so then she's like, all right, well, would it bother you if I took Jacob? And he's like, yes, yes, Bella, that would bother me, you idiot. And she's like, you're a rotten liar, dad. And she's just pulling this, oh, you're prejudiced against Edward card. Yeah, and? And so what if he is? You were catatonic for months because he dumped you in a forest. He doesn't forget that. And you shouldn't forget that either, but you're acting like it never happened. It's just like, I just saw West Side Story last night. Like I've seen it before, but I'm talking about the remake. And this Maria, she is so quick to forgive. Spoiler alert for West Side Story if you haven't seen it in the past 60 years, but Tony kills her brother and then immediately He's at her window with blood stains on his shirt. And she's like, oh, come in. How you doing? And then they root. And she's like, yep, I love Tony. And it's like, he just killed your brother. And I think there's parallels with this book because West Side Story is a ripoff of Romeo and Juliet. New Moon was a ripoff of Romeo and Juliet as well. So yeah, there's a parallel there. Anyway, where was I? So she's like, oh, it's not like I'm heading off to Vegas. I'm going to go see mum, blah, blah, blah. She's just as much my parental authority as you are. And then, oh, and then she says, are you implying something about mum's ability to look after me? You'd better hope I don't mention this to her. So now she's just outright blackmailing him. Meanwhile, I thought she didn't even want to go to Florida. Edward brought it up and she was like, nah, not really that interested. Don't want to have to deal with a fight. But then as soon as a fight happens, she's, she's very well prepared for the fight. She's got all these little lines and threats in her back pocket ready to come out. So she's just full blackmailing him saying, you better hope I don't mention this to her. And so he's like, uh, okay, I'm not happy about this. And she's like, "Mm mm-hmm, well, my homework's done. Your dinner's done. The dishes are done and I'm not grounded. So I'm going out. And then he's like, what, where the fuck are you going now? And she says, I don't know, but I'll keep it within a 10 mile radius, okay? And then she just like, storms out. So then her and Edward get into the car and she's like, I want to speak to you alone. And she says, what was that? And he says, oh, what little old me, what have I done? He says, well, I I just, I knew you wanted to see your mother. You've been talking about her in your sleep. It's been really worrying actually. So he's again, spinning another yarn. I think he's lying. And she's like, oh, I have. And he's like, yeah, but you were too much of a coward to deal with Charlie. So I interceded on your behalf just gaslighting extraordinaire. And she says, I told you I didn't want to fight with Charlie. And he says, well, nobody said that you had to, even though it was always going to be a fight. God, Edward's a piece of shit. Then Bella says, I can't help myself when he gets all bossy like that. My natural teenage instincts overpower me. And yet she's completely fine when her boyfriend's that bossy. She's like, ah, no, doesn't bother me. Water off a duck's back. And then she's staring at him. And she says, his face was serene as he gazed out the windshield. Something was off, 
but I couldn't put my finger on it. Or maybe it was just my imagination again, running wild like it had this afternoon. No, it's not your imagination, Bella. You've got surprisingly good instincts. It's like your one good quality. And I think you're onto something. He's up to something. And so then she says, hey, look, does this sudden urge to see Florida have anything to do with the party at Billy's place on the weekend? And he's like, nothing at all, but his jaws flexed. So again, he's got all these little body ticks that she's noticing, even though he's a vampire and he shouldn't really be moving his body that much. He says, it wouldn't matter if you were here or on the other side of the world, you still wouldn't be going. And she does get a bit annoyed. She's like, oh God, more bossiness. So at least she's acknowledging that he's being bossy, but she rolls over. So she's just like, all right, well, let's just go hang out with Esme. And Edward says, oh, Esme will love that, especially when she hears what we're doing this weekend. And so she groans in defeat. So it's a done deal then. Apparently Charlie's wishes don't matter. Your wishes don't matter. And Esme's feelings are spared. So they must hang out at the Cullens place, but we don't hear about it. We pick up, they're back at Charlie's house. And she says, all right, Edward, don't come inside because Charlie's still going to be mad. And then Edward says, "Mm, his thoughts are relatively calm, but he says it really teasingly. And she's like, what's the joke that I'm missing here? So she says, all right, see you later. And he's like, yep, I'll be back when Charlie's snoring. So yeah, they're just making a plan for him to break in in the middle of the night as per usual. So she gets inside and Charlie's like, "Uh, could you come in here, Bella? And she's like, oh yeah, I had a great night. Thanks for asking. Um, We hung out with Alice and Jasper. Edward beat Alice at chess and then I played Jasper. He buried me. And Charlie's like, yeah, that's nice. I, I don't care. And then she does tell us Edward and Alice playing chess was one of the funniest things she's ever seen. One of the funniest things. It was just so comical. She said they sat there motionless, staring at the board because Alice could foresee the moves that he would make. And then he would pick the moves that she would make in return out of her head. And so they played most of the game in their minds. And so she thinks they'd moved each like two pawns and then Alice surrendered her king. And she said it took all of three minutes. It's the funniest thing she's ever seen. She just watched two vampires sitting silently <laughs> across a board of chess that they barely moved any pieces. Oh, it's the funniest thing she's ever seen. It was so funny. Oh God, it was so fun. So, so, so funny. And so Charlie's like, ah, uh-huh, okay. So, um... Here's the thing, Bells. And he starts pacing back and forth. And he says, you and Edward seem pretty serious. And uh, you're an adult now, but you're still young. And there's there's a lot of things you need to know uh, when you're physically involved with. And then she's like, oh, no. Please, please, no. Please tell me you are not trying to have a sex talk with me, Charlie. And he's like, "Uh, yeah, I'm just as embarrassed as you are. But it's, it's kind of my duty here. And she says, well, mum beat you to the punch about 10 years ago. You're off the hook. I do think it's an interesting um, parental choice of Renee's to give her the sex talk at the age of eight. That's probably a bit early, Renee. Um, maybe, maybe she has a point when she says you're scatterbrained. And Charlie says, well, 10 years ago, when you were eight, you didn't have a boyfriend. So it's, it's a different playing ground here. That's why I'm bringing it up. And she says, I don't think the essentials have changed that much. And oh boy, you'd be surprised. A lot can happen in 10 years. (laughs) Let me tell (laughs) you. I don't know what I mean by that, but I I mean something. And she's like, oh God, this is so embarrassing. This is beyond the seventh circle of Hades. And it's even worse knowing that Edward had known this was coming. No wonder he'd seemed so smug in the car. Yeah, he couldn't have given her a heads up. He's just so cheeky. What a lovable scamp Edward is not bringing that up and giving her a heads up. 
And Charlie says, just tell me you two are being responsible. And she says, oh, don't worry about it, dad. It's not like that. And reading this, knowing how Breaking Dawn ends, like we know she's going to get knocked up in what, like three months. So, I mean, maybe it is like that. But also it's worse because he's probably going to kill her whenever he uh, has sex with her. So there's that. Also, I'm still pondering how, how they do end up having sex and creating life because he is dead. And uh, it's a well-discussed plot hole that, but it does keep me up at night. Like, okay, I don't want to go too into the weeds here, but apparently Stephanie Meyer's like, oh, the body is frozen in time from the point of their turning. And so I don't even think they can get haircuts and stuff, right? Because their hair it doesn't change. Their fingernails don't grow. Nothing changes. But how does he get an erection? Like, should his, should his dick not just always be soft if it can never change? Okay, I don't want to get into it, but these are the thoughts that I'm having. And then there's also the where'd the sperm come from problem. Like, surely, surely the sperm's dead. Um... Oh God, so much to think about. Anyway, Charlie says, uh, it's not that I don't trust you, Bella. I know times have changed though. And she says, maybe the times have changed, but Edward is very old fashioned. Yeah, he's very old. How about that? She says, oh, I can't believe you're forcing me to say this out loud, dad, but really I am a virgin and I have no immediate plans to change that status. Whew, awkward. And so then Charlie's like, okay, good to hear. But now I want to know how the balance thing is coming along. And she's like, yeah, it's fine. I made plans with Angela today. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about Jake? And she said, I haven't figured that one out yet, dad. It's not that hard to figure out. Just go and visit him. Screw what your controlling boyfriend says. And he says, keep trying, Bella. I know you'll do the right thing. You're a good person. And she's like, ugh. So if I didn't figure out some way to make things right with Jacob, then I was a bad person. That was below the belt. And no, he's completely right. You're a bad person. You let your dad go to the funeral of his best friend on his own. You called Angela's ponytail sloppy. You're a bad person. So then she goes upstairs. Edward's not there yet because she thinks he's out hunting or something. So yeah, he's, he's not homebound just because she's homebound. And so she's telling us, thanks to Charlie, I was all wound up and anxious. My homework was done. I didn't feel mellow enough for reading or just listening to music. I thought about calling Renee, but I didn't want to bother her because Florida's three hours later, so she'd be asleep. I could call Angela, but I don't really like Angela and I don't really want to talk to Angela. (laughs) And so then she's thinking, what am I going to do? And I'm thinking, what time is this? You got home from school, then you did homework, you wrote that super long email, then you had a three second long makeout sesh, and then you cooked dinner, then you had dinner, and then you went and watched the most hilarious game of chess at someone else's house. And now you still got things to do. Just go to bed. It's been the longest night of my life. And she's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And it's just go to bed. And so she's like, maybe I'll just go to La Push. She's tossing up the pros and cons. She's like, I need to see Jacob. Otherwise I'm a bad person. I can't call because he's not answering my phones because I'm a shit friend. I had maybe an hour to get to La Push and be back before Edward realized I was gone. She says it was past my curfew. But would Charlie really care about that when Edward wasn't involved? One way to find out. It's like, yeah, past your curfew. So it's after 10.30. Just go to bed. You've had a big day. I wouldn't be driving on the push in the middle of the night. What? What? Just do it tomorrow. 
So she grabs a jacket. She starts walking downstairs. She's about to leave. And Charlie's like, what, what, where the hell are you going? And she says, oh, I'm going to go see Jake. I won't stay long. And so, of course, Charlie's built himself into this trap. So he's like, yeah, well, all right, no problem. Stay as long as you like. So she leaves. She's darting out the door. She feels like a fugitive because she's doing this behind Edward's back. So she gets into her truck and she's turning the the key, the ignition, and the engine won't start. And she keeps trying it. And then she sees something in her peripheral vision and she's not alone in the car. And she turns around and there's Edward. And she goes, gah, in shock. She loves a gah. And so Edward's just like in a horror movie in the backseat wanting to scare her. And so the whole thing is, apparently Alice called him, gave him the heads up that she was about to go hang out with the werewolves. So that's why he took the engine out of the truck and then decided to be all cinematic with it and sit in the back seat and wait and surprise her. You, you didn't have to do that. You could have just gone in through her window and said, know what you're about to do. I advise against it. But no, you went, through, you went the elaborate route. And then you could have just sat in the front seat. You could have sat in the front seat, but you said, no, I want to scare my girlfriend. I want to terrify her. So I'm going to sit in the back seat and shock her. So she says, gah, what a psychopath. She's not thinking about that. She just goes, ah, Alice, Dan, I'd forgotten to account for her in my plans. He must have her watching me. And I was already thinking like, a plot hole. She can't see werewolves in her visions. But then Edward says, you know what? She got a bit scared when your future rather abruptly disappeared five minutes ago. He says, because she can't see the wolves, you know. And he says, had you forgotten that? When you decide to mingle your fates with theirs, you disappear too. You couldn't know that part. I realize that. But can you understand why that might make me a little anxious? I think she did know that part. I think that was well discussed in the last book in New Moon. I think we all figured that out. You guys had a conversation about it, but he's like, oh, you wouldn't have understood that. And it's like, yeah, I think she knew. Anyway, Alice saw her disappear and Edward freaked the fuck out. And that's why he's like, I'd go to go sit in the back seat and scare her like it's a horror movie. And then Edward says, we're not sure why she can't see their future. Maybe it's some natural defense that they're born with. Although I can still read their thoughts. So I'm not quite sure what that's about. So this is Stephanie Meyer just being like, I know I've written a plot hole into the book. Um, This is just me getting around it by saying, we don't know. (laughs) She's just like, we don't know. It's all theories. We don't know. But apparently Carlyle theorizes that it's all because their lives are ruled by their transformations and because it's more an involuntary reaction than a decision and that they're unpredictable. It changes everything about them. And so when they shift from one form to the other, they don't really exist and the future can't hold them. I mean, that's all bullshit. It's it's not that unpredictable. They do change at will. Sometimes they get angry and they turn into wolves, but it's not like they're just accidentally turning into wolves every now and then. And so then Edward says, I'll put your car back together in time for school in case you'd like to drive yourself. And so then she takes the key out of the ignition and she gets out of the truck. And he says, shut your window if you want me to stay away tonight. I'll understand. And so she slams the car door. She stomps into the house. She slams that door too. And Charlie's like, what, what's going on? And she says, truck won't start. And Charlie's like, use my car. And she's like, I'm not going to use your police cruiser to go to La Push. Like, calm down. And so she's like, no, nah, I'm tired. Good night. So she tells us she stamped all the way up the stairs, went straight to her window and then shoved the window really hard shut so much so that the glass trembled. 
And then she stared back at the shivering black glass for a long moment. And then she was like, you know what? I'm not that bothered. So she sighs and she opens the window as wide as it would go. And that's the end of the chapter. So she's so furious. Oh, how dare Edward see my future, disable my car, sit in the back seat just so he could purposefully scare me like it's bloody Scream 3 and tell me what I can and can't do. How dare he? I hate him. But I'm going to open up my bedroom window just so he can sneak in and cuddle me while I sleep tonight. Like, so you're not that mad. Oh, you're mad, but you're spineless. Gah. So that's the end of the chapter. Uh, let me know your thoughts. You can go to speakpipe.com slash breaking down bad books and leave a voicemail with any of your theories, anything I missed, anything I mispronouncing. <laughs> Just let me know. And I did a little Patreon plug halfway through. But yeah, if you want to sign up to be a patron, you can get access to a bonus feed, an ad-free bonus feed with new episodes every Friday, just finishing up Fifty Shades Darker and about to start Insurgent. For that, just go to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books and I'll see you guys next week for chapter three. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.